0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show, episode 111. How are you doing? What's new? Fact of the day, playing video games helps surgeons perform better. I wonder if it's because they're so focused on the details of what's in the game. And I wonder if that also means that I'm going to have children that are going to be surgeons because I got these kids all day long, okay, trying to swipe their iPads going on the game roadblocks, roadblocks. I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce it. And I don't even know if you know what this is. But if you have children that are anywhere, I'm going to assume from five to 11, they're probably playing this game. If you have grandchildren, they are probably obsessed with this. I'm telling you, there's this game, this game, Roblox. My kids, they play it on the iPad. They watch it on YouTube. They watch other kids playing the game. It's like, it seems to be like a Sims family game, you know, but they're actually, like, for example, let me tell you, the other day, they're sitting next to each other on the couch, my two daughters, Annie and Vivi. And they're like, oh, We're playing hide and seek, mommy. And then one screams out, oh, I can't find you. And I'm just like, what what the hell are they talking about? You're saying right now. And he's, no, we're playing hide and seek on Roblox. They're playing hide and seek through the computer people. I know that this, you know, when I'm saying this kind of thing, this is when I feel like I'm reminding myself of my mother or of just a parent in general, because I feel like this is what parents used to say, right? Like, remember when America Online came out? We all got that golden... 10 hours of free AOL for the month or whatever. And we'd we'd put it in the CD ROM and we'd sit in front of our computer, this glowing incandescent cube, like tucked like off the kitchen somewhere, right? When we were younger. And you and your mother would be like, What are you come talking to my friends? And they would be like, This kid's not talking. She's just sitting in front of a glowing cube. I mean, it's the same thing. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so you know, like surprised, but I mean, hi, they, they, when does it come to an end? There is an element, right? Where the kids, they have to go outside, they have to play, they have to run around and you got to play hide and seek in person. Or as I like to say, when I'm on stage, the New York version of hide and seek manhunt. Okay. But no, but they are obsessed. What the hell? So, you know, moving, moving right along. What the hell? Olivia Newton-John, are we not like hopelessly devoted to her? Are we not? I have that song stuck in my head all week long. I'm a miserable singer. Okay, if you want to hear a cat dying, let me start singing to you. But oh, I loved her. Everybody loved her. Was that not? Was that not like your your favorite movie of all time? Greece was that sleepover scene? Not what you thought that being an adult. Like I when I would watch that sleepover scene with Frenchie and Rizzo and they're jumping on the bed and smoking cigarettes and wearing robes and drinking. That is literally what I thought being an adult was like. Uh, My whole entire, actually, I should probably do a TikTok on that. My whole entire world was being an adult is a sleepover party on Greece. And then getting older is Golden Girls. Like that, there was no, there was nothing else, right? And when, you know, we I was when we, us, me, whatever, we're looking back at the pictures of Olivia Newton John, right? That have been posted, you're like, oh my God, she was so like gorgeous. Like she was beautiful in Greece, right? And she was like the sexy badass in Greece. But when you're like looking at the pictures now that she passed, you're like, oh my God, she really was like just slam bamin', right? With that outfits, those outfits, a tiny waist. I would die for that I would kill for that kind of waste right now. What happened? Did evolution happen that all of a sudden we just don't have tiny waists anymore? because I, I I gotta be honest with you people. I mean I don't I don't eat crazy. well, I try not to eat crazy, but I don't I don't have a twenty four inch waist. you know in, in fact, you know, in fact, when I look at my boyfriend's jeans, I think he has like a thirty three waist or something. I'm like, mm. He's like, oh my jeans are so big, really? No, 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 they're not. <laughs> oh my god! So wait, you're gonna die? I don't, you know. What? Let me ask you. You think I should get remarried? What do you think about that? I know. I can't. I know. I can't even believe them th- asking that. Like, here's the thing. It's like I'm 38. If I never told you, but I think I did. I'm 38. I'm gonna be 39 next month. So I'm basically like almost 40. <sighs> My boyfriend's like, you're such a baby. and not even 40 yet. I'm like, I'm almost 40. That's so old. when When you're right before 40, you feel like you're getting old. But then if you're 55 or whatever, you look, you hear somebody's 38, like, oh my God, just a baby. But anyway, here's the thing. I'm 38. I'm almost 40. You know, I'm obviously divorced, you know. I got the two kids. I have a boyfriend for a long time. He loves me, wants to get married. But do I want that kind of paperwork in my life? Mm, I don't know. You know, I own my apartment. But here's the thing. Of course, I would get a prenup. Of course, like that's without a doubt. Like, I don't even need a man to come to me and say, well, if we got married, we would sign a prenup. F that. How about if you want to marry me, you're signing a prenup. I don't care if it's the boyfriend I have now. I don't care if I was marrying the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. I want a prenup because you want to know what, whatever I have, whatever I have, I built, I worked so hard. Nobody handed me anything. Nobody handed me anything. Everything I have, I literally put, put together myself. So, so if I got remarried, I obviously would have to have a prenup. Fine. But the thing is also about getting remarried is then you got to live together. I know you're like, of course you got to live together at least like, isn't that the point of getting married? It's funny. I was scared when I got divorced. When I got divorced, I thought maybe I would like automatically like need to have a boyfriend or want to have a boyfriend. And then like, all of a sudden, like want to jump in to like some living situation, like, you know, and just like be, cause that's what I'm used to, you know, I'm living with a guy And not that I thought rationally at that time, like, oh, that means then you're living with me. You're also living with my kids, my daughters, you know, whatever. But I was just thinking in general. And it's funny because now I've been with my boyfriend, you know, we've been together for a while and it's like, I don't, you know, like sometimes we talk about living together, but then I start saying things like, you know what, if you want to live with me, then you better put a ring on my finger. And it's funny because I wasn't like that the first time around. The stakes are different. I have children. But it's also like, as much as I love my boyfriend, like, no offense, guy. Like, I don't want a man coming into my sweet, beautiful apartment, okay, with my two sweet, gorgeous daughters just living with me. I don't even care if he would live with me and pay the bills or pay half the bills. Like, there has to be something that's going to be on the horizon for me, like marriage. But I don't even know if I want to get remarried. And and that's why I'm asking you. I life is long, right? Well, if we're lucky, life is long. Um, and it would be nice to have somebody to go through life with, but my boyfriend is 18 years older than me. So it's not even like we're going to be going through life together forever. You know what I'm saying? Um, a long time ago, you know, I was obviously thinking about maybe trying to work it out with my ex-husband and, and not, Necessarily because I thought it was the perfect relationship. And this is by the way, is when I had my current boyfriend. But it's not that I thought that it was the perfect relationship. It just was that we have kids together. It's just like easier. Um, and because life is long and you know, and and we were kind of ish, similar-ish ages. So I thought, you know, well, let me just work it out. It's easier, but it didn't work for a reason. We broke up. I'm in a new relationship, he has a new relationship, so that idea went out of my head. But now that I'm thinking about the next steps of my current relationship. I'm kind of like, okay, there has, there doesn't have to be a next step. We could just enjoy life and live life. But you know, I talk about sometimes wanting to have another baby. I know for all the people that have three kids, you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I don't know why. I just feel like I'm not done, but I don't know. Lots of big, I don't know. And then I had a friend who's a comic and we were at the diner a few weeks ago and he was like, you know, he's in his 60s. Never married, no kids. Wanted to be, but like one of those types that said he was going to do it and never did it. And he's like to me, Elise, really? Like, you'd get remarried? You have another baby? Like, why don't you just consider your career over? Okay? Why don't you just pack it up and never do stand-up comedy again? Okay? And I said to him, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. that just because if I was to have a baby or get remarried, I'd have to give this all up. Yeah, I mean, I'd be on a hiatus in some regards. But, I mean, life goes on. You have to. You have to keep your life moving this is the problem with a lot of people in entertainment and show business. They just, they put all their eggs in the, in the show business basket. So what happens if you get rich? What happens if you get famous? What happens if you, if you make it big and you whatever, and you have all these things and all these people, all these things around you, all these fans. And, or, and then what do you go on stage and the hell, what the hell are you talking about? Cause you haven't lived your life, you know? But anyway, I don't know. So I'm thinking about that. Do I want to get remarried? Do I want to not? You know, and it's because my birthday soon. And I'm sure if he was going to propose, it would probably be around like a birthday or a holiday because he's like super scheduled like that. Like he's not like a spur of the moment, spontaneous kind of guy, you know? But here's the thing. If I did get engaged, okay. I do not want a giant... Pom pom diamond hanging off my face. Been there, done that. Okay, I don't want a big ring. First of all, I barely wear jewelry. I barely wear jewelry out in public anymore because New York is horrible right now. They're, everybody's desperate. I don't I what's the why? Why why take that risk for when I don't have to? Okay, that's the first thing. Second of all, I don't like doing stand-up comedy with jewelry on. I don't like it. I don't want things on my hand when I'm trying to hold the microphone. I just I don't want distracting earrings and this. I mean, it, earlier in my earlier in my career of stand-up, I would maybe wear bright clothes and jewelry. But you know what? It takes away from what you're saying. It, it just does. Subconsciously, people then start staring at your, your Nutella earrings versus what your actual words are. So I don't do that. I barely wear jewelry. And I just don't, I don't, it's not practical having one of these big pom-pom diamonds. You know what? I really, I love bands. I have a ton of bands. I w- I would like a band. Like just a regular yellow gold band with some maybe like a, a a sprinkling of diamonds, like something practical. If I did get a traditional engagement ring, if I got engaged, lots of ifs people, I would probably get like a thicker band bezel set. My mother, I remember always, my mother saying to me when I was getting when I was getting engaged the first time, she said to me, the "Bezel set doesn't make the diamond show." That's the point. I don't need the diamond showing. And it's like, I, let me tell you something. I went for uh, lunch, like, I don't know, a long time ago, like pre-pandemic. Like, it sounds so ridiculous. I went for lunch with a bunch of friends pre-pandemic in the suburbs. And all the ladies, they got together for lunch at like their local diner, or wherever the hell we want. They, we went, I was the one coming in from the city. And all the girls, they, you know. Wearing their matching sweatsuits and their jewelry, the, the the big stud earrings with maybe the stud jacket, you know, the jackets over the studs to make them look even bigger. Maybe you know, with the with the, the 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 diamond rings and the you know Rolexes with the, and I'm just like thinking, yeah, you know what? Cause you're in a freaking safe space. It's you, your four girls that you know in your entire life, and you're at the diner. Every everybody's wearing this kind of stuff. And it's like, but my life is not like that. When I go to the diner in the city. I'm walking there. I'm walking back and I can't, I, you know what? Anyway, but here's the deal. Brides Magazine had an article recently popped up and I don't know if I ever told you I actually worked there. Oh God, that was crazy. I worked at Condé Nast. I was their digital director. My job was basically to take Brides Magazine specifically and, and, and it, it like make it digital. It, they just had to build a website, make it better on digital. And then of course build the revenue strategy around that. So I was managing the sales team. <sighs> the advertising sales team. And um all the girls at Brides, I don't want to, you know, but all the girls at Brides, they were all married to like rich hedge fund guys and like, like rich finance guys except me. And uh and they would all walk around with their rings and their this and they all had these jobs. Like they didn't really want to work there. They weren't didn't really want to work. They just were there just like, I don't know, playing work that's exactly they were playing they were playing office it was, it was i i didn't last that long because th- that's a whole nother story i'll tell you one day why i didn't last that long besides the fact that they were tracking my every move on what i ate for lunch because that is actually a thing like in devil wears prada they give you a card and you could buy your food you can only buy your food on the card in the in the cafeteria cafeteria is fabulous a condon ass by the way and um <sighs> And I would, you know, and I it just didn't work out. Besides the fact they would, they were tracking my meal, my meal consumption. Besides the fact that I would dress very fancy at work, that was fun. Besides the fact that, you know, it was very glamorous, you know, and I would go to a meeting and they would send like a Mercedes S 500. That was fun. It was, and I was making good money. You know, with all these girls, I don't know what they were making, but I was, I was doing well for myself there. I have to be honest; I didn't care about these. They were like my husband works in finance. I was like, yeah, I am finance. Goodbye. But anyway, (laughs) but it was like I, I, I couldn't get over like how, like honestly, well, they were really catty. That was really why I left. But I, I, they were also like so superficial because we were specifically on brides. And they'd be like, Oh my God, this diamond ring is absolutely amazing. And I'd be like, (sighs) but anyway, bride's article popped up on my phone the other day. and You'll die. There's a new, you probably even know about this. The new thing. It's a, Here, wait, I have the title of my brain. Raw, rustic, and rough engagement rings. Hmm. Let me answer that for you. Those are three things I don't really associate with an engagement ring, okay? Raw, rustic, and rough. No, thank you, okay? apparently rustic is a thing in a rustic engagement ring. Like what, what is that? A twig? What is that? A little berry for the diamond? Like, Oh, I decided to get engaged to him mom. And I decided to, I really just wanted a rustic ring. Like what? Get, like, give me a break. Why don't you just say you wanted something different? You wanted something unique. Like, I, I, I don't know, but they, but there's a whole market floored, diamonds and it puts it puts the whole idea of being a work in progress and a flawed person in a whole nother perspective but like i don't want a flawed diamond they they say oh these diamonds they're they're rough they haven't been polished they have inclusions uh you know and and we mount the diamond onto uh the the gold you know and it and it's beautiful because it symbolizes that you know we, we who we are on the inside okay let me tell you something with inclusions and pebbles that you're mounting on gold you know what that is that that is a pebble. That's a rock. OK, you're putting a rock, you're putting a stone from a, a rock, you're put, mounting a rock on a piece of metal. OK, I like I, I just it's not for me. It might be for you, but these are not like they, they're like they are like little gray pebbles that you'd find around somebody's above ground pool. Like that, that's what these look like. Now, I'm not saying all these rough diamonds are a horror because I was in Bergdorf's and I did see they had some um, of these rough natural diamonds and they were very artsy and and cool and funky. But if I'm going to get a diamond, if I'm going to spend the money for a diamond or for my boyfriend or if somebody. I don't want. A rough thing isn't. The point of like a perfect diamond, a shiny, beautiful diamond, all amazing, you know, the 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 four C's isn't the point of that because that's sort of uh like you wanted that to symbolize your perfect love and, and, and the, the the perfect union that you have. I mean, I don't know. That's what I thought in my head. And we all know that those things aren't even perfect. We know that, but why do we have to be symbolizing the imperfections of marriage or your partner by walking around with a flawed rock on your finger? No, thank you. I don't want it. Raw diamonds. They don't even sparkle a shimmer. It's like a subdued like maybe light catcher oh please life there's so many harsh realities just get the goddamn diamond i just don't want one giant pom-pom one like i said if i get it it'll be bezel set i do like yellow diamonds though i will say i like yellow diamonds um I also like a lot of the the women when I was on Wall Street, a lot of the women, uh, well, I guess I'm still on Wall Street. I shouldn't sit talk like that. But, uh, you know, they a lot of the women wore, had sapphires, a big sapphire ring with maybe diamonds on the side. That's like a waspy thing, you know. Some women had emeralds. That was nice. But... I don't know. Then you got think again. You got to worry about what's practical for your life. I can't go around with an emerald or sapphire. I need the absolutely hardest You know, the hardest stone possible because I'm a banger around her. You know, for people that don't want to spend on diamonds, you can get moissanite. I think we talked about this ages ago, but you know, that's, that's the second hardest stone besides for diamond. And the thing, you know, moissanite, it's technically fake diamond, but, I'm not getting a fake diamond, but it's uh, it, 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 it looks good up into a ca- up until a carrot apparently. Like, if you're going to go around with a four-carat moissy, like, you might as well, I think, kill yourself because I don't think it's looking that good. I mean, you might as well just get a CZ. I mean, you might as well get a flawed diamond, actually. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. I don't know. There was the craziest story in New York Magazine um, about three arrow capital, three AC. I don't know if, I mean, it's. So here's the thing. If you're not in finance, if you're not like sort of in crypto, it's going to be like difficult to, uh, I think like get through, but it's basically about these two kids, these two young kids. And they started uh, a firm called three arrow capital an overseas firm where they were investing people's money into various cryptocurrencies. And the whole thing went bust. And it's like an eight, nine, 10 page story about how they were doing um, cryptocurrency arbitrage, you know, buying things low, selling them high, like turning them over right over and selling them for high Um, make, you know, keeping the profit. They were, you know, they were basically telling all their customers, we got to buy, we got to buy whatever. and, this is a really like distilled down version. And um, and essentially they went bust. You know, the market tank, they went bust. And a lot of people say that the reason why the crypto markets uh, fell was because of these two kids um, and that that founded this three arrow capital. But they used to call like the biggest, the like the huge, like the biggest investors in finance. And they'd be like, you need to give us $2 billion. Like we'll take out a loan. But because they were managing so much money, because they were such amazing traders, they they would get these, they would get loans. They would get the money. People would send the money. And sometimes they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even ask for pay. They would give them loans. They wouldn't even ask for paperwork because that's how good these guys were. That's a very distilled down version. But if you're interested, I have it right here. It's uh, called, it's New York Magazine, August 15th um, issue. And it's how two Wall Street washouts with a can't lose crypto hedge fund vaporized a trillion dollars. It's very interesting. Lots of finance lingo in there, but, um, interesting. Okay. So on the note of reading, I told you it was work on a project. Excuse me. I, I don't know what's wrong. Um, you know, like give a feel like, just like flamy. I know, like, I know it's so, it's, it's disgusting. I know that's how I feel. I'm not sick. That's just how I feel. And I don't know why, because I've, I'm, I'm, I'm eating healthy. I, I pretty much cut cheese out of my diet. And if you know me in a very close personal way, I am a cheese girl. I do cheese wrapped Oreos. Cheese for life is like, it should be my license plate. But like C-H-Z for L-I-L-Y-F, basically. Should be. It's not my license, it should be. But the fact that I gave up cheese is amazing. But I gave it up because I was, I'm getting too phlegmy. Like in voiceovers, people that are in voiceovers and singers, they don't need a lot of cheese for their industry. But anyway, I don't know why I'm Fleming. It gave up the cheese. So my big, oh, if you're looking, look, this is my kids. They're playing with this fidgets. They have these fidget spinner, a fidget, fidget things. I have one in my hand. Sorry for people on audio. I had an ADD moment there. I wrote a book and I'm right now trying to find a publisher for it. So, um, stay tuned. The book, I know it's crazy. Like I, because I skipped like a couple of podcast podcast episodes, um, and over the last uh, few weeks, you know, cause obviously I do this once a week, but I think I went two weeks with not having, you know, I think I did like two weeks that I skipped in the last like three months, um, where it was every other week. And the reason for that was because, um, you know, I kind of had this idea for a book and then, you know, I went back to it and did it, whatever. So anyway, it actually took me very quick to write. I don't want to. Um, that's not me bragging. That's just, I. it had to come out. I know that sounds like, sounds like so, aut- like an artist. It just had to come out of me. I had to, oh, I just had to create it because I'm an artist. It had to come out. It, what, no, it's a business book. It's a business book. And it's about my, It's it's real stories from my life in the business world and how I relate them to my family, essentially. Uh, I don't want to give much of it away, but it's really like, I really, I'm really proud of it. And I have a manager and she read it and she was like, Oh my God, this book is incredible. And you know, like, I mean, yes, like she's on my team and she's in my corner, but it really meant a lot to me that she said, it. obviously my boyfriend read it, um, and a couple other people. And so right now we are, um, we're, we're, we're looking for a publisher It's not so uh, it's not like a straight business book and it's not like a biography. So it's kind of a blend of both, if that makes sense. But really, it's not really a biography. So uh, it's vulnerable. It's powerful. It talks about me. It's my story. It's just it's me. It's it's my it's my life. My life as an Italian-American middle class raised person in the business world the shit I had to go through to get to the top. And, um, I think it's a great book for if you are recently, if you're newly graduating or if you're about to graduate and you need some you know advice in the work world or if you've been there done that, or if you just want to hear about what what my stories are. Um, you know, it's like uh, i'm I'm the underdog, okay? So that's that. That's my my big project, my big surprise. Um, I'm not going to share the title right now because the title might change. Um, and I will let you know when I get a publisher. And if I don't have a, to get a publisher in the next few months, I will publish it. I'll self-publish it. And uh, I'll just sell it on Amazon myself. And, um, and hopefully all you listeners will pick up a copy or buy a copy for f- uh, family or friends. Um, and let me know what you think, most importantly. So that's that. Oh, let me tell you about some shows. This weekend, if you're in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, I'll be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club. I'm featuring for Joey Cola. He's hilarious. My Long Island people, mid-September, the date's on my website, mid-September, I'll be at the Stony Brook Theater with Vic. Yay. Manhattan, I will be co-headlining with Nikki Smigs at Caroline's on September 29th. That's also my grandmother's birthday. I think that's also Fran Drescher's birthday. That's also a few days after my birthday. So. Um, that's the deal there. So some fun upcoming shows, you know, and I do little shows every week around the city, but those are, those are, those are sort of some good, uh, big ish dates. So my friend was dealing with this guy. Okay. And, um, he's a manipulator and she's asking me my advice. So I have advice on men that manipulate. And I'm just like, no, I, I don't do men. that Like because the, the second I find out somebody's manipulating me, there's the door, never again. But this girl, I don't know. I don't know why she stayed around, but she felt like she was manipulated. So I was starting to look up what are the early signs of when you know you're being manipulated. And Steve Harvey, out of all people, the comedian, Well, how how, how do you not love Steve Harvey? He was talking about this. And he's like, you could tell when somebody's a manipulator. Like some song, no, you could tell. some telltale signs is that when you first meet them or in a relationship, they put on this fake charm and they're all over you. And then they love bomb you, you know, and they send you stuff and they're obsessed with you and they're buying presents. They ask very personal questions right away, like, oh, as if they feel like they know you, um, they, 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 oh, they're possessive. You know, they don't want you to have friends. They don't want you to go out, all this kind of crap, you know? Oh, here's, I, I have the list in front of me. Um. Oh, they want to take your relationship so fast. I mean, don't you know those people that like literally like you you go out with them and then they're talking about like when you get married or when you get, you know, like live together and you're like, uh, excuse me, this is our second date and we're out for ice cream. Like, go screw. Like, I, I can't. I once went out on a date with a guy at uh, the King Cole Bar. I think that's what the, it is. It's in... um, Is it the St. Regis? I think that's the St. Regis. Yeah, the St. Regis. King Cole Bar. A bunch of years ago, after my divorce, and I went on a date with a guy, and he told me that he wanted to marry me. <laughs> and would I get married to him? And he he wasn't even drunk. Like, he was It's not like there was... He wasn't under the influence, is what I'm saying. I mean, maybe he was. Who knows what kind of fucking crack cocaine he shot himself up with before the date. But he... he Do I want to marry you? I just met you 15 minutes ago. How about a resounding no guy? How about that? I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? The people, they're crazy. Okay, they're fucking crazy. Speaking of crazy, there is an article in the New York Times that I did not read yet, and I have it, and it's called The Price of Online Fame. And it's about how people like me that go online and they put little like snippets of their life, make them public, whatever, and how some people, fans, crazy fans, they show up at your door. And that reminds me of when I was with Vic a couple of weeks ago, he told me this story, you know, and you'll die. He, uh, he lives out in Jersey and he, uh, you know, I big online, big online guy, comic with the whole thing. There was a fan. I don't know if he followed him online or if he's a fan of his standup or mix mixable, all two, whatever. He couldn't get tickets for one of his shows. This was years ago. He couldn't get tickets for one of his shows. And you know what the guy did? Showed up at his house, rang the doorbell and just said, he's a fan. He couldn't get tickets. And he just thought, I'm in the neighborhood. I'll stop by. Here's the thing. Vic never gave you his address. Vic never said, here's my address. Come stop by. If you have a problem getting tickets, this guy just took it upon himself to show up at his door. Now I didn't read the article yet in the times, but what I can say is that that's a scary, that's a scary thing. Like, Even though for all you people listening, you feel like you're close to me. And I feel like I'm close to you because some of you guys, like we talk, you know, uh, offline, you know, in DMs and whatever. And I would have dinner with you and we would go out and it would be fun and all. And it would be amazing. But like, I'm mad because we're like online friends, right? We're online friends. But how creepy would it be if like I never spoke to you before in the DMs? We never texted you know, I never, you know, or, or you know, we never, we just ne- never, n- no communication. And you just rang my doorbell. I, it's, you know, like you would just be another stranger to me. You know what I'm saying? I would be like, shit, like what the fuck? So now, Vic told me he has the cameras, he has all this stuff, but that's the thing. It, there is a price to all of this. There really is a price. And and um, I don't want to say I don't have to worry because I do. I have the kids, and but I, but I do live in the apartment. I live in an apartment, so it's a little it's a little different. So I mean, I'm sure the article is going to say talk about taking precaution and not letting people know too much information. But you know, I guess you do have to like know where to draw the line. Like, remember what hap what happened with Kim K, Kim Kardashian like a few years ago in Paris. Oh my God, that was my worst nightmare. She was posting, if you did not know, I'm sure you know, she was posting all over the place where she was, what she was doing, where she was going. You know, she was just living her life online as well as offline. And she went to Paris and she said she was going to be, you know, in this one area and three guys broke into her Airbnb or whatever the hell she had, duct taped her mouth, her, her uh, wrists, her ankles, and they robbed her of, everything that she had, including the giant, giant engagement ring callback um, from uh, Kanye. And, you know, it was worth like multi-millions. And then her social media strategy changed. She started posting pictures where you just saw like a piece of sky in the background or like a blank wall. And I mean, you know, um, that her probably had a crisis PR, crisis social media to everyone on it. And that's what they said to do. That's what you got to do, people. Okay. Product of the week. I don't know if you ever tried this. It's not... Oh God, it's so annoying that like I didn't write down the brand name. I think it's called a Rub Away. Okay. There is a stainless steel cleaning bar. Do you know anything about this? Okay. Yes, it's called Rub Away. I just had to pull it up on my phone because I was like, what the hell is it? I, please, if you try this before, let me know. Apparently, if you cut garlic and lemon and all that, you know, your hands, they stink. And, uh, or onions, oh, the worst. And so, actually, no, garlic is definitely worse. And they stink. And when I, how I get off the stink, I usually take like a piece of lemon or some sort of like citrus fruit, whatever I have, If you know, whatever, I'll make lemon water, I'll take the other side. I rub it in my hands, you know, and that gets the smell away-ish, aside from washing with soap and water. But I do still get that lingering garlic smell. Apparently, there's a stainless steel Bar of soap. It's it's not really like the soap, and it's just in the shape. It's like a stainless steel thing, like block, in the shape of a soap. and It's called rub away. and apparently you keep it by your sink, and anytime you you're dealing with meat or or you know like stinky chopping vegetables, whatever, you get a funky smell on your hand. You 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 use the stainless steel bar in your hand, just like that, <laughs> and apparently it gets the stink away. And it's eight bucks. I didn't order it yet, but it's in my car because you know. That's just, that's what I do. That's just, that's what I do. That's my little luxury. I should put that into an account. I should put that into an account and do like 4%, get 4% year over year interest on that kind of money. Why But why do I need a stainless steel bar, you know, for $8? When if I put that $8, if I put a $10, let me tell you something. If I put $10 into like a 4% year over year account, you know what, how much money I'm going to have in 20 years? I'm going to have that $340. I swear to God. Well, that's what, interest, uh, and compound interest. Like, I mean, that's a, that's, 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 that's pretty amazing. Over 20 years. It has to be over 20 years. You can't touch it. <laughs> we can't live our life like that. Anyway, apparently there's a brand out there called Mr. Parmesan, Mr. Like M I S T E R. And they make hats like baseball caps and, and shirts that like have like the names of cheese on them. Like more like the meats, like mortadell, cheddar, Parmesan. I think that's the cutest thing. I'm gonna get that for my sister. My sisters uh for Christmas, part of their their Christmas gift. I'll get them like well, maybe a little hat that says like Mortadella Parmesan. I think that's so cute, Brie. You know? I don't know. It's I I think it might only be on Instagram, but I just saw it. It's called yeah, Mr. Parmesan. I wrote down cheese baseball hats, cheddar, a cheddar baseball hat. Cheddar is so do you hear a screaming in the background? If you do that's my kids. Okay. Anyway, quote of Quote of the week by Warren Buffett, who I met, by the way. I met him at the uh, premiere of Too Big to Fail, um, Andrew Ross Sorkin's uh, movie years ago. It was at the MoMA and they had a cocktail at the Four Seasons and I met him and he was absolutely amazing. And uh, I think I wrote about that in my book. Um, But yes, he was incredible. So here's the quote. He didn't tell me this quote. This is just a quote from the boss in general. The rich invest time and the poor invest money. We all need money to survive, so we all have to spend our money one way or another. But how we spend our time, right? That's important. That's important, people. Anyway, I'm Elise DeLucci. I love you. Thank you for listening. This is episode 111, people. I can't believe I've been doing a podcast solo for the last two years and uh, I'm already on 111. I like had one, remember I had one guest, my friend, Mike Young. Yeah, he's funny, he's nice. And then everybody would like DM me and they were like, why are you having guests? Like, we don't want guests. And I was like, yeah, you know what? F the guests. <laughs> anyway, so now it's just a girl's chat. That's just what it is. Anyway, if you have a speckled, flawed or a uh, raw diamond ring, uh, my sincere apologies. I'm sure I'm going to love it and I'll think it's gorgeous, but just not for me. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Elise DeLucci. Love to love you, baby.